Would you open God's precious holy word to Psalm 55? Suppose you've had a trusted friend for many, many years. And you have relied upon that friend as a close confidant and counselor. But somewhere along the way, unknown to you, in the mind of that friend, you greatly offended him and didn't know it, wasn't aware of it. And although he continues to pretend to be your friend and give you counsel and you lean upon that person for advice, you didn't realize that for all that time, years, for all that time, this person you thought was a friend was seething on the inside, just waiting to bring you down somehow. This is the case of David in Psalm 55. Back over in 2 Samuel, somewhere chapters 15, 16, along in there. Absalom began working against his father. Himeleth, the counselor, the close counselor to David, was working with Absalom to undo David as king, to do what needed to be done to establish Absalom as king. Himeleth was... Uh, very knowledgeable in the affairs of state. He'd been so close to David right next to him, right-hand man for years and years. In David's mind, he had no reason to doubt him or to not trust him. But finally, it seemed as though at least in Himeleth's mind that The perfect storm was converging, so he saw his opportunity and he completely threw in with Absalom and gave Absalom advice on how to undo David. And it started out successfully. While practically in exile from his own throne, some of the men loyal to David told him, Hemoleth is is in on this. He's, he's conspiring with your son. When you read the greater text of David's life, it seems as though Ahimelech was the grandfather of Bathsheba, apparently. And so apparently... It was his belief that David destroyed Bathsheba's life, 
her family life, her husband, of course, Uriah. And so maybe this is why, and maybe he's the one, he's not named here, but most people agree that this is most likely the case because the word counselor is used here, same word used to describe him back in 2 Samuel. So the only motive one could think of was the fact that he was Bathsheba's grandfather. Those are probable details of the background of Psalm 55. They have no way of knowing for sure. But the principle is still the same. Someone, you're, you're in a position of leadership, authority of some kind, and as, as King David was. And you've never had a reason to doubt the friendship and loyalty of someone. Not realizing that this person had been poisoned and had been building a case against you for years. Just waiting for the time when it would seem that you were at your weakest to bring you down. Well, with that in mind, what do you do? This person was my friend for so long. What do I do? Do I fight or do I run? Well, what, do I, what do I do? This is David's dilemma in Psalm 55. So here's his trouble. For the conductor on Niganot, again, I'm probably, uh, I'm probably a verse ahead of everybody. I think I have one more verse. I think I have 24 verses. You have 23, so... Take that in mind. I think verses 1 and 2 here are all verse 1 in, in, in your translation. Whatever. You don't know how to keep up. On Neganet, a of David. Think about it. It's on stringed instruments. It's a maschal. It's one of those contemplative prayer songs. Incline your ear, God. To my prayer, do not disregard my supplication. The word supplication means that the one praying is coming to God to ask for a specific favor. If you supplicate, you have a, you have a list of requests and they're specific and you're asking God for a favor to do something specific for you. This is the case of David here. Do not disregard, do not turn your face away from my supplication. Hearken to me and answer. Don't just hear me, but answer me. I'm restless in my complaint and I moan noisily. It's a groaning. It's a... David was an emotional man. There's no doubt about that. Grief-stricken, heartbroken, especially if this has to do with the rebellion of Absalom. The essence of who he is cries out. He's hurting. And this is how he's praying. So what's the problem? Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down upon me trouble and in wrath, they hate me. My heart shudders within me and terrors of death have fallen upon me. 
If indeed it belongs to the rebellion of Absalom, you will know from the biblical narrative that David came close to death on more than one occasion. As a matter of fact, he was, he was losing this battle to begin with. And when you look at it and study it, you'll see that David, although his advisors, his, his warriors, the men loyal, loyal to him, were trying to get him to get in there and fight, he was so reluctant to come down hard on his own son. So he's, he's and now this, this guy that had been so close to him every day, all day long, the one on whom he leaned, the one who he asked, even, even his confidant, even the, the, most, uh, the, 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 the most important, the tenderest things of his life, the issues that meant the most to him. And this guy has turned on him, not just that, but he's conspired with Absalom, David's own son, to kill him. So he says, it's the voice of the enemy. The oppression of the wicked, they've brought me into trouble and they hate me. Their, their wrath is coming toward me and I'm scared. I'm, I'm not in the best position to fight this battle. As a matter of fact, I most likely will lose this battle. And if you read the story, you'll see that begin with that looked like it was the case. Fear and trembling come upon me. Horror overwhelms me. And I said, if only I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the desert forever. Silah. I would quickly find myself a refuge from a sweeping wind, from a tempest. This doesn't sound like our mighty warrior David, does it? This thing is so emotional, it came by surprise. He couldn't have expected that this was going to happen. Otherwise, he'd, of course, been prepared for it. And suddenly, he's thrown into a battle that's not his own making. He's unprepared. I've been there before. Blindsided and, and not realizing what other people were thinking or what they were conspiring to do. That's a hard battle and you're unprepared and you, you're shocked at who, is, who the enemy is, if you will. What do you do? David says, you know, I just wish I could run away from it. I'd like to go out. And this is King David carries the promise of the Christ, the Davidic covenant. King David, the mighty slayer of giants. If I, if I just had wings, I would peacefully fly out into the desert. I'd never come back. I'd find a place where I could hide from the strong wind that blows and from the storm that comes. I'd spend the rest of my life there. This is not a battle that I've chosen. It's not a battle that I'm prepared for. It's a battle that is breaking my heart and it's broken my spirit. I don't want to do this. I just want to run from it. I don't want this trouble. I don't want any part of it. I'm sure that David, if indeed this is the case with Absalom, David knew that the only way this thing was going to be resolved was for his son to be killed. And he struggled so much against that in this, 
in this issue, in this set of circumstances. He tried so hard. He gave instructions. You can't do whatever you have to do to his soldiers, but don't kill my boy. Finally, somebody had a sit down with him and he said, look, if we're going to fight a battle, you can't tie our hands. We have to do what we have to do. And you can't restrain us from doing anything. With all of that on his heart, this old warrior, not the same young guy he used to be, just at this moment doesn't have the heart for the fight. What do you do? You can think of what David was thinking. If I can't trust my own child and if I can't trust the closest confidant I have had for years, if I can't trust those guys and I thought they were the most trustworthy in the world, if I can't trust them, who can I trust? What can I do? Where am I going to go? Who am I going to talk to? Who will advise me? How can I bring this thing to a resolution? So he just wanted to go away and hide forever by himself. The only thing to do is to pray and pray hard. And that's the best thing to do. You know, that's the best thing to do. That's not the worst thing. It's the best thing. So David calls to the Lord. Adonai. And he calls him Adonai here. He doesn't call him Yahweh. He calls him Adonai. The owner of everything. The master of slaves. The Lord of all households. Adonai is a little more earthen kind of word. It's, it's more like the guy who's going to take charge and make a hard decision. Yahweh, Yahweh is the covenant loving God. But Adonai, destroy Adonai. Divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Here's this unrest between Absalom's group and David's group. Day and night, they surrounded on its walls and iniquity and trouble are in its midst. Destruction is within it and oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me that I should bear it, nor is it one who hates me against me who has exalted himself and I can hide from him. It's not somebody, you know, I'll tell you this. This is just a personal experience. In a secular setting, I've, I've been in the clothing business, I've been general manager, and I've had to deal with people. Dealing with people in that setting is not like dealing with people in a church setting. Things are pretty cut and dried in the business world. Especially if you're the boss, right? But those things, those lines aren't so clear cut in a church. And, it's, and, and when, they, when they come at you like ninja assassins <laughs> and you're not expecting it, 
You would know what you would do if you were on the road. You'd, you'd pull out your AR-15 and start mowing them down. But you can't do that in church. Can you? <laughs> the point is, David is saying, you know, I'll tell you what, when the Philistines were coming to me this way, I knew what to do. I had no problem. I went after them full force, didn't hold back. I prayed about the battle. God said, go fight. I wouldn't leave a one of them standing, but this is different. This is something unlike what I have faced before. This, this isn't an enemy like an enemy that I've known. This is something else. This violence is not violence out there on the plains of, of, of Judah where I would fight a battle against an invading army. It's different. It's inside the city of David. On the streets, there are children and there are women. There are all kinds of people here. And so many. So at this point, you read other Psalms during that time and you'll see that there, was all, there were all kinds of lies being told on David. Just just scandalizing him and, and making him, ascribing characteristics to him that weren't his at all. And those, that's hard to fight. That's hard to fight. It was along in this time. So, you know, this is not like an enemy like I've had before. But it was you, a man of my equal, my companion and my acquaintance. We who together, we took sweet counsel to the house of God and walked in the midst of all the people, you and I. Let death seize them. Let them descend to Sheol alive. For wickedness is in their dwelling in their midst or among them. That's pretty pretty hard. Day, listen, sometimes you can only draw one conclusion. That's the case with David. You can't say, well, bless their hearts. They didn't know. Yes, they did know what they were doing. They were trying to bring down the anointed of God. And David had a session with the Lord and thought about this, this is, this is hard, you know. So he says, let death seize them. Just let them die. Just, just, just let them go to Sheol, hell, the grave, the pit. Let them go there alive. Because the very essence of who they are in the middle of their house is only wickedness. There's nothing righteous or good about anything that they are doing. So then David makes this confession. I'll call upon God. Now he calls him Yahweh. Covenant loving God. I will call upon God and Yahweh will save me. Evening, morning, and noontime, I will pray and cry aloud and he will hear my voice. 
He redeemed my soul with peace from the battle that came upon me, for there were many people who were against me. God will hear and afflict them. Even he who abides from of old, Silah, because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. They don't have any fear of God in their lives. This is the only conclusion David can call out for. Only God can take care of this. Only God can make people understand that everything that's been said about me is wrong. Only God can make people see that this is not of my doing. That I have been thrust into a situation that was not of my making or my asking. These people who don't fear God. So then he sees more trouble. He has stretched forth his hands against those who are at peace with him. He's broken his covenant. He's back to his counselor again. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, but they were drawn swords. You ever know anybody like that? I have. Man, I have. Schmoozers who were really after you. Wanted to undo you destroy you. I've known many people like that in church. I've known it. Didn't get their way. Didn't get on the right committee. I got one for you. Didn't get to sing the solo on Sunday morning. We're made to sing it on Sunday night. You think I'm kidding? Am I kidding? No, I'm not kidding. Pride. Man, it's a poison. It's a poison. Oh, they're so kind. Oh, I love you, Brother Charles. And while they're hugging you, they've got a knife going like this in your back. That's what he's talking about here in verse 12. I've been there, man. The words of his mouth, smoother than butter. But war was in his heart. Words softer than oil. But those words were drawn swords ready to swing to cut my head off. So then he makes a further confession. Cast your burden on Yahweh. He will sustain you. He will never allow a righteous man to falter. That's something to stand on right there. Give it all to Yahweh. I'll have to admit, early on, I tried to mix Charles in with Yahweh. You'll mess up like that. That's kind of like Abram and, and Hagar the handmaid. You know, the world teeters on the brink of nuclear war today because Ab Abram and Sarah tried to help God out the promise. You just, you know what? God is God. Best thing to do is just let God be God. It may move a little slower than you want it to, but when it finally gets done, it, it was the best and sweetest resolution you could have possibly imagined. Cast it all on Yahweh. Don't hold any of it for yourself. He will sustain you. It'll be rocky. It'll be tough, but he'll sustain you. 
In the end, he will never allow a righteous man to falter. Or the word also means to be shaken. You can deal with it calmly. The world collapsing around you. Yahweh holding you up. He'll take care of it. So finally, David has the confidence that there will come a resolution to the matter. But you, God, shall lower them to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men will not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. Cast your burden on Yahweh. Trust in Yahweh. And let Yahweh do the hard stuff. Let him do the hard stuff. He'll take care of you. Take care of you. Taking care of me many times. Well, we'll stop there. Have our deacon prayer time.